the ethics and mathematics of fantasy baseball trading late in the season. Plus, waiver wire, pitcher preview, and an extended in-depth injury report. It's all coming up next on Beat the Shift. And welcome to another episode of the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. I am your host, Ariel Cohen, and with me as always, Ruvain Guy. How are you, Ruvain? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. We lost a heartbreaker last night uh, in our Wednesday summer playoffs, so I'm bounced out. It was a really close game until the fifth inning with two outs and, I don't know, a, a, a hit here, an error here, a walk here, and... Next thing I know, it's uh, a ball hits the base, uh, pops up. Uh, our first baseman doesn't touch the rubber, doesn't touch the base, and seven runs, and uh, we lose by seven. So uh, yeah. <laughs> oh oh well. I mean, my softball team is actually in the playoffs. We're in the semifinals, and we have one game left. And if we win that game, then we're actually in the finals. So we'll see how that works out. And we were talking that uh, the pitcher against you in that game is probably going to be the pitcher against me in my Sunday championship game. So hopefully we'll wear him down for you. Yeah, <laughs> scouting report, baby. <laughs> let's, help, let's help each other out. Uh, that's cool. That, that guy travels. That guy plays a lot of leagues. Uh, I thought I played a lot, but that guy takes the cake. Yeah, I mean, if he, tra- he travels this far, it's probably close to 60 miles each way total. So it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, so uh, good player also, and very nice guy. He always chats about. Uh, he always chats with me about the game, win or lose, afterwards. Oh, remember that pitch in that inning? He's so specific because he's the pitcher and he knows that I, I do pitching. He, <laughs> believe it or not, he even calls me um, for for tips in the playoffs about hey, do you know the scouting report on this team? How do I pitch this guy? So he actually uh, he, he respects me enough to ask me there. Uh, and 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 rumor is he's coming to my. Uh, semifinal game to, to scout me uh, uh, before before I get to play him. So, uh, good stuff. All right, anyways, uh, no guests today. Uh, shorter episode. Do you want to talk about one strategy point, and then we'll do our waiver wire and pitcher preview, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I want to talk today about the ethics of trading. And uh, just to set it up, here's here's what happened this week. Uh, uh has to do with uh, the GDD League that I play in. Uh, a lot of good guys in there. Uh, Ian Khan is in there. Derek Hardy partners with me in that league. DVR is in it. We got Frank Stamfel, Jason Collette. A lot of, lot of good. Colton the Wolfman. A lot of good, good people are in. Very deep. Very deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 team. Regular standard. Um, I'd say NFBC style. I mean, it's the NFBC rules other than just regular trading and all that. Uh, you know, re- re- regular mixed to 15 team roto. Um, so uh, we're in second, as we said, and uh, currently Ian Khan is in first. He discussed this on his show uh, on the Athletic Under the Radar podcast. He figured that we talk about it, and I think it's a good thing to talk about the strategy of it. But here's a trade. Um, now, remind you, this is already you know a week or so into September. It's really late in the season. Trading deadline was like two days ago, so he got this just under the gun. And the trade was he traded away Julio Rodriguez and Brandon Hughes. Um, for Jock Peterson and Liam Hendricks, all right? Uh, on the surface, if this was done preseason in a vacuum, he would never do that trade because Julio Rodriguez's value is so much bigger than those guys. But 
That's the trade that he made, and he did it because he does not need the stolen bases. He's way ahead in stolen bases, but saves in the league are really, really tight. So Liam Hendricks steals that category is more helpful than the overall value, and it's more helpful than the steals category. And he gets Jock Peterson back, so he'll get some homers back, and it's not a zero. Okay. And what what plate what places are these teams in? You said Ian ah. is in first place, and what about the other team? So at the time of the trade, I believe that team was in seventh or eighth place. Now that team actually is in tenth. Uh, the whole uh, set between seventh and and. 11th, let's say, is within like two points of each other. So we're talking about a middle-bottom team here in the league, okay? The question of ethics is, is it really right to trade with a team that, for all intents and purposes, are not winning anything? Now, it's a redraft league. It's not like it's a, it's a keeper league. And the, the team is 30-some-odd points out of a money spot, you know, for top three cash, so 30 points out of a money spot with seven teams in between, no chance of winning, you know, first or second at all. Um, so essentially, you know, out of the money. But, you know, they're there to play. They're there to win. They're setting lineups. They're obviously it's, – it's a good trade for that team. It's, it, the, the trade is helpful for, for that team in, you know, eighth place. But the question is, is it ethical to, to do that? And, of course, if they can't do it, what the heck do you tell this team? Don't play? What what are your thoughts on this, Ruben? Curious. Well, I think that if the seventh place team is still making trades this late in the season, that's a positive thing because that means they're still setting lineups and doing everything they're supposed to, and they're still following their team. A lot of times, second week in September, third week in September, a lot of people are paying attention to the fantasy football and stuff like that, and people aren't playing their teams anymore. They're not setting lineups. They're not doing waiver wire or anything like that. So the fact that they, this trade even went down is kudos to the team that's still playing because they're still following even though they're almost basically out of the money now the fact that this person did this shows that this person wants to follow their team maybe they're trying something out for next year maybe they wanted a share of julio rodriguez and just to say they're able to have a share at least for a couple of weeks and it shows that they're still trying to better their team if they didn't need saves and they're getting rid of liam hendricks it's it's perfectly fine it's a normal trade if this trade would have gone down let's say closer to the actual trade deadline, like let's say around and beginning of August, I don't think there would be any question that this trade is basically okay if it's just a straight saves thing. Um, but it's I, I think it's a good thing that the trade is still uh, trades are still going on and I don't see a reason why it should be an issue, especially if the trade deadline is this late. What do you think? Well, I mean, um, I'm playing devil's advocate here because I'm, I'm you know, I'm sort of... Uh... I, I'm advocating that there is there is a little bit of an issue here. I mean, and, and look at the exaggerated case. I, I asked Ian, um, what if the 14th place team traded? 14th place team has 45 points. I mean, that's just a disaster of a team. Is it okay for them? And he's like, well, you know, they're just way, way, way out of it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, I mean, there's a certain certain line of the person's way out of it and and certain line of the person is still trying. I agree with you that yes, uh, the person in who made the trade with him is with Ian is still trying. They're they're obviously setting lineups. They're trying to better their team. Their goal is to get as many points as they can. Right. The question is like when you say better your team, is it is it the betterment of it in terms of overall points or is the betterment of it probability of winning? My argument, and this is from an actuarial standpoint. 
I wrote an article on this once in back in 2019, is the probability of them winning is zero before the trade. The probability of them winning afterwards is zero before the trade. You're trading players from a pool of non-money contending to a money contending team. The person didn't better their team, right? They, they went from zero to zero is my point. Uh, is that a valid argument? Uh, is it, is, does it, does it matter what, how many points you have or does it matter your chances of winning? Like what's more important? I think it's a matter of betting your team at at this point. If they're still playing, I, I, I'm. It's listen. If if someone has a problem with this type of trade, then there should be rules set in place saying that okay, after a certain period of time, this uh, if you're in seventh and below, you can't trade. If you're in tenth and below, you can't trade because it is ethical. I mean, what's wrong with it? He, they're playing within the rules as long as there's no thought of collusion going on. They're playing 100 percent within the rules, and there's no reason with it. There's no reason there's a problem with it. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the rules obviously say you can trade this late. The rules don't say you're out of it. Um, and, you know, the, the flip side is worse. I, I don't want this person to say, well, I can't win, so I'm not going to bother to set lineups. Or, no, we want this person to set lineups. We want this person to make good waiver wire pickups, to be in it to the end. Uh, now, you, can, you can't really tell them you can't trade, right? So I, I think what this means is that it's not the, – the trade. this trade was fine. Right, I mean, they're all in it. They're doing it for the right reasons. It's obviously a smart trade. Hurts, hurts me. I told him he shouldn't do it because it hurts us. So I'm like, what no, do you I, ask me for? I, that's 100 percent true. It hurts you. But what about the third place team and the fourth place team? How does it affect them? Because if hurts the them also. affects them, if it hurts them also, then you're all in the well, same boat, and it's just bettering one team as opposed yeah. to and and as opposed to helping two teams or three teams. It's helping the team that's getting the Julio Rodriguez. It's helping the team that's getting the saves that need them. I, I don't, I don't really don't see yeah, an issue yeah. with it. You it know? It's the rules. The rules. The real the rules need to change. I, I I I strongly suggest that if you're in a league, I think that a September fifth deadline is way too late in the season if you're going to allow this. Or there should be a restricted deadline. I think it, one one time, or actually uh, for a couple of years, we had a rule that we had a 12-team league, and the rule was the top five teams cannot trade with the bottom five teams after the All-Star break, right? So there was 12, te- there was, uh, 12 teams in the league, let's say. If you're a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you cannot trade with 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. You know, uh, depending upon the start of the day, right? If you wanna, if you wanna trade, uh, number two can trade with number six. Number you can trade with the four spots below you, but you can't trade from the eleventh spot into the second spot after the All Star break. And then there was an overall trading deadline, which correspond, coincided, I should say, with the trading deadline of the Major League Baseball a little bit later. Uh, I think that's really the way to do it because um, I want people to play hard, but the the mathematics of it what i'm getting at is the mathematics of it tell you that it shouldn't be allowed and so the rules of the league should be changed to disallow it it's not unethical that that he traded it but there's a mathematical problem with it and and the rules of the league have to be addressed in order to do it is that fair that's fair. I mean, we, I, I guess you would agree that it's the same if a seventh place team makes a trade as opposed to even the fifteenth team makes the fifteenth place team makes a trade because then it's even more outlandish, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, if the seventh place team makes a trade with the fifteenth place team, you know, the probabilities of them winning on September eighth 
is you're going from zero probability to zero probability, zero probability to zero probability. You can argue that it doesn't matter or that, well, they're not bettering their team. The, the general principle that I'm using, by the way, when I say mathematically, is um, as I deal with this in, in my career, uh, we, we do a lot of transactions. Uh, it's called reinsurance I work on, which is insurance for insurance companies. Not to get technical, but um, a trade between two companies has to be a situation where there's a reasonable possibility for a benefit and a reasonable possibility for a loss on both ends. If you, if I do some modeling, my actuarial modeling, and I come up with a model of you know hurricanes happening and earthquakes happening and fires happening, and it looks like one party just has no downside or one party has no upside, I red flag it and I don't let the transaction go through because there's no, it has to be reasonable upside and downside on both. So when you have a position of zero to zero, there's no upside there. Um, so I, I just have that problem with it mathematically from what, what I do in my career, but I think it does translate to, to the ethics of fantasy baseball. Now, I, I want to give you a hypothetical. This was a seventh-place team. What if they just want to say they want to finish in fifth or want to cl finish closer to fourth? That's fine. But if it's a, a league where the last-place team gets penalized for coming in last place and they make this trade, would that make the trade more ethical because they do have something to gain from it? Totally, totally. And, and that's, that's a very good argument for making that rule, for making the rule of uh, the last place team has to pay an extra fee or the second last place team pays a fee or you lose fab in the next season. Or maybe it's a draft order. Maybe uh, the team that finishes fifth, sixth, seventh, that order gets the one, two, three in the next season. So there's got to be something to play for, right? That would completely change the equation. Now you're in it to the end. And I think that incentives is a good way, um, whether you want to make it monetary or rules or something, that there always has to be a reason to be engaged in the end. Because if there isn't, you have this situation where, I mean, they don't have anything to play for. Why are they doing it? That's one thing to neglect a team and, and to uh, – to uh, not go crazy and spend hours on the waiver wire. I mean, if you know, you and I, you know, saw there's one or two teams that are really going nowhere, and we're not winning in a, in in a league. We're still making the lineups. We're still doing some basic uh, acquisitions for uh, for uh, injured players, but we're not spending that much time. And you know, you have only a limited amount of time. But we're playing the right way. But if you blow it off, like what's to what's to stop you? Uh, it's good in home leagues to have deterrence from doing that. And so I think that there there should be as well. But from the mathematics of trading, I do believe in earlier trade deadlines from top to bottom because of the reasons I outlined. And that, and that would have fixed the problem because then the trade deadline would have been, let's say, the middle of August. This trade would, would have given more value to that seventh-place team and, and a, at least a, a better chance of finishing in the money. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think the trade deadline is a bit too late in this league. When, when you have a trade deadline, usually you get like a flurry of trades right before a trade deadline in a league. If you have a trade deadline of September 5th, we didn't. You don't see it. Like there was hardly any trades in this league because of that. The team, you know, more than half the teams are. It's over right now. Why they're not going to bother? Um, and when you have a trade deadline that's somewhere in July or, or early August, then you have a situation where oh, let's make some trades and it becomes exciting for a week. I kind of like that about it. I know there's the argument. Um, the I think DVR mentioned it on the show that well, you know, if you have too early uh, a trade deadline, then what if you have injuries on your team you really can't do anything about it other than waiver wire so there's a reason to have some trading so i'm good with having limited trading after the trade deadline but only for teams within certain number of you know a certain number of ranks together or no trading top to bottom there's ways to do it and 
hopefully we've given you some thoughts on this show about how to change your league and just to for you to noodle about the ethics. And by the way, I, I I'd really like it if I heard your comments. So if you want to uh, post on Twitter and you know if once we, once I post the uh, episode, you know give your comments as to what you think is this ethical. Is there a problem? Should it be resolved by deterrence? Should it be resolved by rule changes? What are the good rule changes? We'd love to hear from you. And also make sure that your home leagues have rules in place that you don't get into an argument that can end up uh, disbanding the entire league because people think the trades are not fair. So make sure that you, this is caught before it happens. Exactly. All right, Ruben, let's do a couple of waiver wire picks. Who do you got for today on somebody that you should pick up uh, this week? Okay, I'm going to go from deeper to, uh, to uh, shallower to deeper leagues. I'm going to start with Chris, Tristan Cassis. Now, we mentioned, I think you mentioned him last week. He's already owned in 40% of CBS leagues, so he's not available in a lot of leagues. However, if he's available, he's the Red Sox top first base prospect. We saw him in the Arizona Fall League. The guy is huge. If we saw him up close, he's really big. He's going to be playing first base because Hosmer is done for the year. Eric Hosmer. Franchi Cordero is out for the year. There are no other first baseman. He is going to be playing every day from here on out. He hasn't been hitting that well yet. He's hitting in, in the, uh, below 200, but he has power, and that's where you're getting him. He is a prospect, so there's always the risk of, play, of playing a prospect for a short period of time that they can have a big slump and not turn out well. Just look at uh, Jerry Kalenic. He, they can have an issue with that, but if you need a power guy, he's a, definitely a power guy to get. Josh Young. We, last time we heard him, or last time we were talking about him, was actually spring training week, and he tore his left labrum while in the weight room. He's finally going to be called up, or supposedly, this is what I hear, he's supposed to be called up by the Rangers, and he's going to be playing third. The Rangers are not playing for anything. He's a guy to keep an eye on. If he's available in leagues, he may not be available in some NFBC, NFBC leagues until he actually plays, but if he's available, he's a guy to watch out for. Dylan Carlson's on the IL, so I'm looking at Corey Dickerson. He's on a good team. He's on the Cardinals. He's batting 375 in the last week. No home runs, but he does have possibility of power, and he's only owned in 7% of CBS leagues. So if you need an outfielder who's actually hitting for average on a good team, scoring runs, I think Corey Dickerson's the way to look. And another guy who's in a platoon because he's playing with the Giants, and that's Lewis Brinson. He's only 2% owned in CBS, so you can probably get him in almost every, every single league. He's batting 333 since joining the Giants with three home runs, and when he does play, he's batting leadoff. So that's extra incentive. So just look at the lineups, see who the Giants are supposed to play the following the next week, see if Lewis Brinson will get a lot of playing time, and if he does, he's a guy to get. Yeah, Lewis Brinson's so hot, and of course he's got uh, prospect pedigree. I mean, he was a top guy. He was traded for Yelich at one point. Um, maybe the Giants have fixed him, will fix him. I mean, uh, uh, that's always something to watch out. Uh, there are worse players to get at the end of the season. The The three things you should be looking for, you know, before I tell you some picks of mine, the three things you should be looking for when you're making these waiver pickups at this point in time is in no order right now is number one, um, undervalued players, players who had struggled, maybe because of injury, maybe because they underperformed all year. Sm small cakes for that. It's hard to get guys in the, you know, there. Uh, number two is um, playing time. Playing time, playing time, playing time. New role, uh, suddenly they're batting leadoff, as you just mentioned with Brinson. Batting cleanup. Suddenly playing because somebody else is injured. That's the most important thing, I think. And the other thing is a uh, player who's hot. Uh, it's always good to ride the train. Um, less important than some of the others because, you know, hey, could have been a hot spell, but maybe it turns into something, so you never know. Those are three sources. The second one that I mentioned, the playing time, is the biggest. So here's my guys. Nick Gordon, 
25% owned. On the year, he has six homers, six stolen bases, batting 275. So we're talking about some low uh, power speed blend with decent average. He qualifies at second short in outfield, so probably can help the situation for you. And he's getting playing time now. Batting cleanup for those twins. Cleanup always is going to get some run production. So he's got the speed, he's got the power, and he's, uh, well, a little bit of each. A batting average and some run production possibilities. Definitely a guy you should look at. Spencer Steer. Uh, that was one of the guys that uh, Cincinnati got from the Tyler Molly trade. He is up. He has power. He does not strike out that much. He's got an 82% contact rate in the minors. Joey Votto out. He can play first base. He can also play third base. Uh, he homered in his debut. He is told that he will play regularly. So that's a good source. Uh, Spencer Steer. Lane Thomas batting first now. Every single game for the Nationals, he is hot as heck. Now, on the year, he has 15 homers and 404 at-bats. So he's got some power. Since August 15th, so the last three weeks or so, five homers, two stolen bases, 10 RBIs, 14 runs, batting leadoff, 298 average. Um, before the season start, he was, I'm not going to say sleeper, but he was a uh, take-a-flyer-on because he might bat lead. Well, he's in that spot now, and he's excelling. Um, there's nothing to lose for the Nationals. They're playing him. Uh, he will help your team very much. And uh, we may mention him last week. Eduardo Escobar, he's 50% owned, but if he's still available in shallow leagues, he's red, red hot, playing every single day. The Mets kind of need it because, like, Alonzo is has gone slumping a little bit. Lindor, you, you know, he had all those RBIs at the start of the season. He's really not in the past couple. So the Mets need somebody, and he's holding the fort for them right now. And I'll, I'll add on to that Eduardo Escobar. He's been hot since he got off the IL. He's hitting as a left-handed hitter more, and he's hitting with more power. Um, another guy who on the Mets who also has been hitting since he got off the IL, that's James McCann. He's batting 500 since coming off the IL for the Mets with a stolen base. He hasn't shown much power, but if you, have, if you want to play the hot catcher, he's a hot catcher. He's only 9% owned in CBS leagues. And I mentioned last week on the Mets, Mark Canna. He's playing. He's, uh, he's playing a, quite a bit. Starling Marte is on the IL, so uh, Canna is going to play a lot more. Um, he's he's hot as heck. Power everything. He's getting on base. Uh, so I definitely definitely recommend that. And uh, I just saw Eric Hase uh, have a really big day uh, yesterday. He had a homer, two doubles. He was a guy I was really high on earlier in the year. Batting cleanup right now. Cleanup, and he's into power. Uh, he's been playing a little bit of outfield, even DHing, catching every other game. That's a lot more playing time than most catchers get. If you need a second catcher, Eric Hase might be a good guy to snag right in the end of the season. So take a look at Hase. Yep. All right. It's time now for the pitcher preview. Let's see who the Pirates are playing this week. That's basically what we should be doing at this point, looking, who, looking who's playing the Pirates. Look to see who's playing the Marlins, the Nationals, Oakland, Detroit, all these teams that are bottom feeders right now that, the, that teams are going to be playing. Those are the pitchers you should be looking for. So first pitcher I saw who's playing the Pirates is Mike Miner. He's 10% owned in CBS. He plays for Cincinnati. His second game is actually two-start, is, is at St. Louis. So I don't love the second 
start, but he's playing the Pirates. In his last three starts, he's 2-0 with a 2-6 ERA in 17 and a third innings with 11 strikeouts. That's pretty good, and of course, he's playing the Pirates. Second guy I'm going to mention, Glenn Otto. I've mentioned him before. He hasn't been pitching well recently. His last three starts, he's got a 5-7-9 ERA, but he's playing Miami and Miami has lost and when we're taping this they've lost nine in a row so they're not going well right now Glenn Otto's playing at Miami and then he's playing at Tampa so those starts are not that bad and if you need a two-start guys those are two-start guys and Glenn Otto's only 11% owned those are two guys who should be available in most leagues so uh before I tell you my stuff I'll just a little bit of clue about what I look for at this time of the year is uh number one uh I, I want the good good matchups, right? I'm looking for two-start matchups. I'm looking, if I need quantity, I'm looking for future two-start matchups to get some guy cheap now and even put him on my bench for a week if I have to. Uh, and I'm looking for some, I'm looking for some sneaky injury returnees. A lot of times people come back from the injured list and pe- and everyone forgets about them. They're available on your waiver wire. Um, you take a gamble with those. I don't want to pick up guys who just completely stink. That's just not good idea. Um, so it's been a little bit harder, I'd say, in the last couple of years, um, picking up players, pitchers off the waiver wire. Late it used to be a lot, a lot easier. Um, it still is okay in shallow mixed leagues, in fifteen team mixed leagues and deeper. It's it's almost nobody. It's it's crazy now. But uh, here's a couple guys from different uh, depths that I'll mention. Drew Smiley uh, this week versus Colorado at home. Then he's at Pittsburgh next week. And then looks like he might be lined up for a two-start the following week. So Drew Smiley, back from injury, looked good last outing. Take a gamble. Zach Ranke uh, looked really good. I had Zach Ranke on my Tout Wars team on the IL. Didn't want to play him. You never know. He's going to last. He's going to have to win or so. So I didn't play him. He had actually a pretty good start this past week. He's at Minnesota this week. Then he's two-start the following week, Minnesota and Seattle at home. So Granky, another guy who, you know, is an old great. You never know. How about David Peterson on the Mets with Scherzer to the IL? Peterson is going to get a full-time spot here. He looked good. Got a great slider. Gets a lot of swings and misses. He's at home against Chicago Cubs. Then next week, two-start against Milwaukee and Oakland. Good matchups. Uh, I take a gamble on him. Good stuff. The Mets are a good team. So, uh, and they're playing bad teams. So, it's Good, good time to have him. How about J.P. Sears? Um, I mean, Oakland got him over from uh, from uh, uh, the Yankees in the uh, Montas trade. He's looked good so far. 5-1, ERA on the year. He's at Texas this week, and then he's two-start at home against Seattle and the Mets. Uh, been doing well. Pedigree. I'd ride with him, uh, especially if you need the spot. J.P. Sears is an option for you. Yep, I, I like I like all those picks. Those are those are some are deep, some are shallow, and some are good risk to take. Absolutely. All right, moving. Time for your injury update. Go for it. All right, we're gonna start. You mentioned Max Scherzer, so I'll start with him. He was placed on the IL with left side tightness or left oblique irritation. He thinks he's only gonna miss. He said it's days, not weeks which is a good thing for Mets fans. Hopefully, he'll he'll be back soon. Um, but that means, like you mentioned, David Peterson will fill in. But there's also a good chance that even when he comes back, that the Mets, Mets go with a six-man rotation. That's something to watch for, especially even after Scherzer comes back. And you have to watch out also for Taiwan Walker because he's dealing with a blister. So just keep an eye on those two situations. Zach Wheeler. 
He's on the aisle with forearm, right forearm tendonitis. He played catch twice this week, and the Phillies are considering just bringing him back without any uh, rehab assignments. Um, so just keep an eye on him also if he if you want to play him or not. I know I have Max Scherzer in one of the leagues, and I played him. I hope he was going to play, but he's just, I have just an empty spot now. And, and by the way, with Wheeler, I, I would say that, and I have Wheeler all over the place, I would not pitch him in his first outing coming back. Because the Phillies did this at the beginning of the year. They basically used uh, – they. he came back late. His spring training was in the major leagues in games. He was not great when he came back. Um, I don't know if his forearm is going to be completely great, um, even if he goes – I would wait till he starts a game and see what he has before. I mean, he can he can crush ratios, and the Phillies are just going to go with it, I think. Um, I, I'd be very hesitant to play him right away. Well, I, well, if anything, they may just have him pitch shorter outings just because they want to get some innings out of him as opposed to someone else. Yeah, but they, right. So less chance of a win, and they could be crappy. So here's three innings. All right. So if you give him four runs, whatever. Uh, I don't think you want a three innings, four runs from your starting pitcher. Scherzer, the opposite. When Scherzer comes back, start him right away. The guy is golden to start. Uh, there's no reason, you know, if, if he's, it's not his. And and it's his left side. It's not his right shoulder elbow. It's it's the you know it's the, the oblique basically uh, restraining it again. But if you can pitch through it, he's going to be good. I, the, the possibility of being bad is lower in my mind for sure than it is for Wheeler. Right, I I, I do agree. Um, and keeping with the Mets, Starling Marte, you mentioned he suffered a partial non-displaced fracture of his right middle finger when he was hit by a pitch. He's considered day to day. He was wearing a splint in the dugout the other night. And you don't know how long he's going to be out for. Now, Lindor had the same type of thing that, that Marte had. And Lindor's actually production went down a little bit when he first came back. So they may be a little bit more careful with Marte here. So don't be surprised if he gets at this point when we're taping this. He's not on the IL. But don't be surprised if he does get put on the IL. If he does get put on the IL, you mentioned about Marcana getting more playing time. But a guy who also get more playing time will be Tyler Naquin. And Tyler Naquin's been swinging a hot bat also. And by the way, is he a drop if he goes on the IL, Marte? We're talking with three weeks left. Is he a drop? Um, I, I think he. it's possible. I would feel—I need to hear and hear more information first. If, if he doesn't play at all for a week, I wouldn't be surprised. But if he gets put on the IL, they can only do a retroactive IL for a couple of days. And if, they, if he gets put on the IL, let's say, on the 12th, 13th, or 14th, there's no reason to have him anymore. I, he, you're not going to get that much out of him. Of course, we're talking about non-IL leagues. If you have an IL, you're going to use him, obviously. If, if you, a non-IL league, if you have a better option— Who's going to pick him up next week? Who who knows what the story is going to be with him? So if you think you can get someone who can play now and you need the stats, then yes, I think he may be. A well, you could also uh, you could also be going for you know in the if you're doing a head-to-head playoffs and you know if he comes back the last week, he's going to be a better option than other people. So um, you know it's it's just a matter of context with him. Um, but it's very it's yeah. very tricky. It's very tricky when to know who to drop and who not to drop. Which brings me to my next player, and that's Ryan Presley. He was placed on the aisle with neck spasms. Uh, Dusty Baker said that Presley has not been shut down from baseball activities, but continues to have lingering neck discomfort. Rafael Montero has been closing for mo- in most cases here for the Astros, and this is the guy I mentioned this. A co- I think may- I may have mentioned on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We had him in NFBC. I dr- we dropped him. We dr- I made sure he was dropped. Three weeks ago, or two weeks ago, when he was first put onto the IL, because he has a history. 
history of getting injured toward the end of the season. It's happened a couple of years already. And I had a feeling that the neck issue for a pitcher, usually, and just like a back issue, tends to linger more than the other injuries because it takes them longer to get back because they can tweak yeah. it very easily. So it's not as a safe a play. If, if you're in an NFBC or in any limited IL league, um, anybody who's injured, who's questionable to even return in the next week or so, they're a drop. You just absolutely need the space right now. Unless you're holding Bryce Harper, maybe, who's maybe come back, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's pretty much a cut at this point. Well, then what about these two guys? Andrew Benintendi, he was placed on the aisle with a fractured right hammy bone and required surgery. There's no timetable for when he's going to come back. And what about, stick with the Yankees, Matt Carpenter. He had he was on the aisle with a fractured left foot. He's been out for almost a month. He had an x-ray done today, which showed healing, but he has not yet been cleared to resume baseball activities. He should go for further testing in the next within the next week to 10 days. These guys, is there a reason to hold on to these guys at no. this point? No, they cut. The cut. I, I think you can you can cut them. Yeah. Um. Another guy who you may be holding on to is David Bednar. He's been on the aisle for about five weeks now with low back inflammation. He threw a, a side session this week, and he's supposed to have a live batting practice in the following uh, this following week, and maybe a rehab assignment. So he's a guy. I think if you if you still have him on your roster, and there's no other better options, hold on to him. But I think he can be a drop also. Oh yeah, yeah. What about Harrison Bader? Harrison Bader has been on the aisle since the Yankees acquired him at the trade deadline. Aaron Boone has said that Bader is on track to begin a rehab assignment no later than September 13th and as soon as this weekend. So if he's available in your leagues, this would be the week to take to pick him up and stash him for the following week because he could be available. However, he's on the aisle with plantar fasciitis, and if you're picking up Harrison Bader, you're probably going to get him for his speed. How is he going to run with that plantar fasciitis if it's not completely healed? It's going to be a big question. I mean, just look at Chris Bryant. He has plantar fasciitis also. He's been out for almost two months already, almost three months, and yeah. he still hasn't gotten better. So if you're getting him for your spe for his speed, I, I, I guess if he's 100% healthy, but plantar fasciitis is very tricky. But, I mean, if you're in a 15-team league and you have Harrison Bader and you know you're holding him, um, who are you going to get on the waiver wire in a 15-team mixed league or deeper? That's going to give you the potential for speed. Like if you're going to, if you need the absolute speed, um, Harrison Bader, who's stolen a lot of bases this year, probably has a better chance of stealing more bases than whoever you're going to pick up on the waiver wire. It's pretty barren right now. Um, I kind of think that you're going to have to just stick with him and hope for the best. And it's a better play, right? I, you're not going to, you're not going to assume he's not going to steal anything. Yeah, I, I would I would think so. I mean, they're going to bring him back because of his speed, and they're going to want to play center field. So I'm assuming he's going to be completely healthy when he comes back. So I, I, I guess. But, I mean, you're right. It, it is pretty barren there for stolen bases. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess you can, if he's available, go after him. But don't break the bank on him, especially if you still need to get uh, on the waiver wire for pitchers. Um, and another guy I want to mention. Well, who... hold on a second. If, if, you're the, if you're the Yankees and you traded away Jordan Montgomery, don't you think you're going to want to actually utilize He's him? very good. He's yeah. very good. Don't you think you're going to want to utilize Bader instead of saying, well, <laughs> guess we blew that one. I kind of think that you, you need to, for the fans, for yourself, to say, all right, we're going to play him. Let's get something out of him and show you, oh, here's why we got him. Well, is that well, I mentioned this before about the the Josh Hader trade for Taylor Rogers. I said that if the Brewers Brewers are not going to use Taylor Rogers as the closer, then why make the trade? It's just, it's almost like the same thing, but 
I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, and Hater hasn't been good. Taylor Rogers hasn't been good. So, you know, yeah, I, I don't know who exactly won that trade. I All right, I'm not gonna, tell. I'm not gonna cue the music, but what what is Josh Hader's ERA as as a Padre this year? Uh, very high. That's all I know. I, I okay, know he's been available in a lot of my I'm, I'm going to do the old, uh, I'm going to do the old prices right, higher or lower. <laughs> it's, it's, and you got 30 seconds to get it. All right. Okay. I'll start at 6.9. Higher. 8.2. Higher. 12.2. Higher. Oh, dear God. Um, 15. Higher. Non-rosterable. <laughs> You got 10 seconds I left. I, I, okay, fine. Uh, 19. Lower. Oh, wow. Good for him. Uh, 17 and a half. 17.5. I, I, I don't know. I guess my time is up. <laughs> 15.26. Holy cow. His war was negative 0.2. I got news for you. Ariel Cohen pitching in this year has a zero war. Um, <laughs> I have a higher war for not playing than a zero point. Negative point two war. Um, that was what a terrible trade for for for, uh, for both teams for both teams. Boy. Well, I mean, um, problems on both teams. Well, that, that's true. Um, a guy who people have probably forgotten about, and if you're an Angels fan, you probably didn't. But Anthony Rendon, he had right wrist surgery June twenty first, and has been on the aisle. Almost thought he wasn't going to come back. However. He's been throwing. He's been swinging a bat recently. He's been participating in defensive drills and hitting in the batting cage. So there is a possibility that he could return. I don't know how how long he's going to be able to return for. And they'll probably have his re his rehab assignment will probably be major league games because they're the Angels and they're out of it. So there's a possibility a possibility that he'll come back. Now one last guy who is not a drop. Hold on to him. Don't do anything with him. That's Wilson Contreras. He's on the IL with left ankle sprain. The MRIs didn't reveal anything too concerning. There's no timetable for his return. Usually an ankle sprain can take anywhere between two to three weeks to heal. He's a catcher. He could still DH. I think he's going to come back. I think he, you're going to get some serious um, playing time out of him still. I mean, if you wanted to pick up Jan Gomes, he's probably going to be the primary guy after him. But the drop from Wilson Contreras to Jan Gomes, I mean, I, hold on to Wilson Contreras. Yep, that's pretty much it. Well, great injury report there. Uh, we had a little bit more time today, so obviously we went a little bit in-depth into some of the fantasy aspects of the players. And uh, hope you enjoyed today. I uh, hope you enjoyed a little strategy ethics talk and uh, good information on the waiver wire as usual. What's going on with you, Ruvain? What are you up to these days? Well, you can still follow me on Twitter at MLB Injury Guru, where I tweet out these injury updates who's next up in the sort, as well as my article for Rotoballer. It's still coming out every week till the end of the season, discussing all these injuries, plus more, plus who's, plus who's coming back, how they're coming back, if you should pick them up or not. All right, I'm Ariel Cohen. You can read my stuff over at Fangraphs, Rotoballer. I'm on Twitter at ATCNY, shortest Twitter handle in fantasy baseball. And, of course, you can listen to me right here on the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangraphs. Season is wrapping up soon. Um, we might do another one of these shorter podcasts just to get you some players and stuff like that. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of the season or you know a couple weeks after, we'll have some of our wrap-up episodes for the year, uh, wrapping up what went right, what went wrong, and what we would change. And there you go. So uh, getting to the home stretch there. Um, you know, hope hopefully you're doing well in your leagues. And uh, yeah. 
uh, that's about it for today. Thanks again for watching the show. And from all of us here at Beat the Shift, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Shift podcast presented by Fangress. Follow us on Twitter at beat underscore shift underscore pod.